Hey, welcome back everyone to Revive School. It's good to be with you. My name is Ryan Schrag and I'm one of the team members from uh, Florida and we are going to continue in the book of Jeremiah and um, we're going to keep plowing through starting uh, chapter 18. We're going to look at 18 and 19 today and uh, today is, is a little bit fun because it's a little bit different. It's almost as if Jeremiah is going on a little field trip and uh, it's, today's theme is uh, pottery and he goes actually to the potter's house and it's actually called the Potter's House Sermons, and um, so we're going to have some fun with this today. This next section of, um, his, of these lessons, 18 through actually into chapter 20, uh, has three parts. It's going to start off, we're going to talk about in, in chapter 18, the parable of the potter, the judgment. Yes, we're going to keep talking about judgment. This time we're going to use pottery to, uh, to bring it forth. So it's going to go in from a judgment parable of the potter into the symbolic act of a broken flask, and then finally through these messages uh, into chapter 20, uh, this dude, Passioner, is going to put uh, the prophet into jail. So broken into three sections here, but more specifically, we're going to dive into chapter 18, which is also broken down into three sections here. And so we'll start to spell these out, the parable of the potter, and then the people that uh, are rejected by God, and then the persecution that Jeremiah faces as he's delivering this. And so... You know, as we look at, at clay, I'm just going to say this, even from the front end, so we kind of have this in mind as we're, as we're learning this and we're teaching through um, these chapters, uh, there's no question that clay is something that they used a lot back then, but soft clay in the hands of the potter is what, is what he's looking for. And so there's a quote by this guy, J. Wilbur Chapman, and he said this, The clay is not attractive in itself, but when the hands of the potter touch it, and the thought of the potter is brought to bear upon it, and the plan of the potter is worked out in it and through it, then there's real transformation. So basically, again, he's saying, I love this, because he's saying when the hands of the potter touch it, and his thoughts are brought upon it, and then his plan is worked on it and through it, then we see real transformation. And that's what the Lord was wanting to do with the nation of, of Judah. He's wanting to shape and form them as uh, soft clay, but they were not willing to do that. And I just think even as we're diving into this, man, that's what he's wanting to do with us, isn't it? Like he sees in each one of us, his sons and daughters, he sees the potential. He sees a masterpiece. And many, many times it's up to the condition of the play, of, of the clay, excuse me, of the clay as to what the potter can form, right? And so it's our responsibility, Lord, keep my heart soft and pliable so that you can bring out and call out the masterpiece that you see in me. And so we're going we're gonna to dive into that today. So here's the thing, again, in context of, of who was in control, who was, the, who was the king at that time, and how this was, what was being played out here. These events probably occurred during the reign of Jehoiakim, which we know is Josiah's son, who uh, was an evil king. And... Uh, Kevin, could you go to uh, Jeremiah 36, 21 through 23? I just want to show you a little bit of, of how this guy was. He was the king who actually burned Jeremiah's prophetic scrolls. 
So here's, uh, here's later on. We're going to study this in a few days, but it says this in chapter 36. So the king sent Jehudai to bring the scroll, and he took it from Elishema. Yeah, so the scribe's chamber, and Jehudai. Is that right? How would you pronounce that, Kevin? Doing good. All right, thank you. So definitely Jehudai read it in the hearing of the king and in the hearing of all the princes who stood beside the king. Now the king was sitting in, in the winter house, in the ninth, ninth month, with a fire burning on the hearth before him. So he's just chilling here. He's sitting by the fire. And it happened when uh, Jehudai read three or four columns that the king cut it with the scribe's knife and he cast it into the fire that was on the hearth until the scroll was consumed in the fire that was on the hearth. In other words, he's like, I don't want anything to do with that. That's who, that's who this guy was. Any, any word from, from the Lord or from these prophets... Uh, he didn't want anything to do with it. How different was he from his father, Josiah? Uh, he had no love either for the Lord nor his prophet. And he wasn't the least bit interested in hearing what Jeremiah had to say. So moving on in this theme of pottery, there's over 30 words in the Hebrew language, uh, the vocabulary related directly to, to, pot, to pottery. And probably because it was such a large industry back there uh, in those days. And so... We're going to dive into this, and Jeremiah is actually going to go, and, and we're going to see this, by this potter's house. Probably he's been by here many times. This is probably maybe on his route um, as, as he's just living life. But this time there was something different. Lord, the Lord was bringing forth a message. And honestly, it was a message that ended up uh, putting Jeremiah in prison. So let's jump into chapter 6, verse 1, and... This is the first of three parts, as I was talking about. And this is the parable, as you'll see here, is the parable of the potter. The parable of the potter. All right, verse 1. The word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Arise, go down to the potter's house, and there I will cause you to hear these words. Let's go to 3 and 4. Then I went down to the potter's house, and there he was making something at the wheel. And the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hands of the potter, so he made it again into another vessel, as it seemed good to the potter to make. And uh, it's interesting that he's probably been by here many, many times. And, and just the kind of thing we've been talking about hearing from the Lord this time, though, the Lord downloaded something to, to Jeremiah, and it wasn't, it wasn't through a time of prayer. It wasn't as he's really seeking the Lord. The Lord just kind of downloaded us something in an everyday situation. And how many of you have experienced that? God just kind of like, he just revealed himself, maybe in a strange place and in an unexpected time. You're kind of going about your business. All of a sudden, the Lord highlights something to you. And I just say, man, pay attention to those things. I think that was because Jeremiah, he was close to the Lord. He, he had a heart that was seeking after God, and God was showing him things. And he's still doing that today. And so even through just unique or normal um, life circumstances. So, you know, just by way, for those of you that are like visual learners, I thought this was interesting, like a potter's wheel at this time. They would sit at this thing, and it had two wheels that were usually, was connected by this shaft. And with the bottom one, they would spin this thing with, the, with their foot, Right? And then it obviously would spin the top wheel where this clay was on. So that was going on. Jeremiah stops by here. So um, the clay then, we can go to this. I think, I love this picture. This is what they would do. This is obviously sitting on that top wheel. They would put 
uh, uh, just a chunk of clay on there and get it wet. And then the potter, like the master potter, his hand would just start to shape and to mold this thing. In this case, uh, the first part or the first piece he made, it was marred in the hands of the, of the potter. So he actually, he redid the whole thing and he made it into something else. And I think what the Lord was saying here was, man, I have the ability to recreate depending upon if the clay is willing, if the clay is pliable. For Judah, what, you, what you're going to see here later on, even in the next chapter, is there the clay had become hardened. And um, we're going to see what happened with that here coming up. So let's go on. Let's go to uh, verse 5, Kevin, if we would. We'll roll through 5 uh, in the next several uh, verses here. Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, O house of Israel, can I not do with you as this potter, says the Lord, look, as the clay is in the potter's hands, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. And I love the illustration for that. So the, that instant I speak, and now listen to this, I think this is so interesting. The instant I speak concerning a nation and concerning a kingdom to pluck up, to pull down, and to destroy it, if that nation against whom I have spoken turns from its evil, I will relent of the disaster that I thought to bring upon it. And, and the the instant I speak, on the other hand, concerning a nation and concerning a kingdom to build and to plant it, if it does evil in my sight so that it does not obey my voice, then I will relent concerning the good which I said I would benefit. And I think that's just a common theme throughout. And God in His, his sovereignty, um, His sovereignty, He has sovereign power over nations. So if He threatened to judge a nation and that nation repented, He'd relent of it. We'd see that time and time again as he did it to Nineveh. But on the other hand, even in this case, when he promised to bless a nation, if that nation turned against him and did evil in his sight, he withheld the blessing that was coming forth uh, and he brought judgment as in this case instead. So let's, you know, that's, you know, guys, that's kind of a mystery, isn't it? It's the, the divine sovereignty of the Lord, but also... Um, there's this, there's this um, mystery between the relationship between that and human responsibility. Kevin, what's your thoughts with that? It's, it's always, a, you know, God in control, but we have free choice. And it's something, I think it's something because we're not God, because we don't have that understanding that we all wrestle with. Yeah, you know, absolutely. And I think... Back then, and this has been kind of a theme throughout, back then just as it is today, he's asking us just to follow him and obey. And the results um, come, come after that. As a matter of fact, Deuteronomy 29, 29, it says, The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but those things which are revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that we may do all the words of the law. And if we read, in, even in John uh, Jesus promised that if we obey what we know, God's going to even reveal more things to us. And so, uh, you know, that's such a huge, a huge theme throughout all of this. And so we'll touch on that a little bit more uh, a little bit later. But I want to move on to the second part here of this chapter. Now the people are moving on to the next section here, which is going to be, uh, cover verses 11 through 17. It just shows how the people were rejected by God. And again, shocker, right? This is kind of a, a theme that is throughout these first uh, several chapters in the book of Jeremiah. So again, nations are made up of individuals and individuals have the ability either to receive God's word and to walk in it 
or to reject it. And so, if the people would repent, he would deliver them. But it seemed to be the people of Judah were so chained to their sin, were so, were so deeply entrenched in it, and they wanted to follow their own, uh, you know, their own evil plans. As a matter of fact, yesterday in chapter 17, uh, verse 9, it said, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? And, and again, you know, for you and I today, it's, it's constantly having a, an attitude and a heart that of just coming back and, if there, and asking the Lord, Lord, just reveal to me if there's anything that would be blocking. Because we want to walk in the fullness. We want you to, to work in us as that potter and even having a heart of repentance. And repentance is basically, it's not just a turning away from something. It's, it's actually turning our eyes to, to Jesus. It's a, it's a turning and say, Lord, I, I repent of that. And because uh, I want there to be a, a just a clear channel so that I'm walking in the fullness of what you want to do in and through my life. And and honestly, you guys know this and, you know, we cut to the just cut to the chase in all this is uh, our lives are all leading up to a point. If we talk about Christ woven all throughout Scripture, like our lives are leading up to the point where we all get to stand before him someday and give an account of our lives and um, I think the Lord was calling that out of Judah, you guys. Just, I want you to follow me. And even today, it's just this desire to say, listen, Lord, I just, I want, because of your love for me and all that you've done for me, why would I want to dabble in anything that is not of you? Anything that is not pure? Anything that you hate? Uh, that, that we would be free from that. And we'd repent and we would turn and we'd just walk fully with you. And that's that's the desire. That's That's what he's after. And so... I love that. Just the image of that clay and that soft heart and being moldable in, in the potter's hands. So let's go on to verse 13, Kevin, if we could. Therefore, thus says the Lord, ask now among the Gentiles, who has heard such things? The virgin of Israel has done a very horrible thing. Will a man leave the snow water of Lebanon, which comes from the rock of the field? Will the cold flowing waters be forsaken for strange waters? Uh, you know, in Nelson's commentary, he talks about the snow water of Lebanon. It's describing the Mount uh, Hermon watershed that erupts into numerous springs, which actually then feeds um, the water for the Jordan River. And so God's blessing was often, and we know this, it's also often demonstrated in water that was coming forth in barren regions. And so here... He was just kind of making a point. It's like nobody's going to trade these cool spring, fresh, like good waters for strange or alien waters. No one's going to do that. In other words, God is wanting to bring forth the purity and they're trading it in for foreign and alien. You could say gods or their worship and all of that. So let's move on. Chapter, uh, I'm sorry, verse 15. Because my people have forgotten me, they have burned incense to worthless idols, and they have caused themselves to stumble in their ways from the ancient past, to walk in pathways and not on a highway, to make their land desolate and a perpetual hissing. Everyone who passes by it will be astonished and shake his head. The word hissing, it was done actually back then. It's, it's, uh, it's interesting. To cut, it expresses like shock and scorn or, or ridicule. It sounds a lot like shriek in our English language. And it's like, I wonder how that happened. I wonder what it was like, what the hissing sounded like. But when they heard of it, it was just, what was it, like a shh or like a psh, you know, kind of like it was just this, this disdain that was, uh, 
And so it's just interesting to think about how that actually played out. But it said it was like a perpetual hissing. All right, let's move on. This next section is now not only do we start off the parable of the potter moving into now God showing his rejection of the people. Now we're going to move into a part of when Jeremiah is talking about the persecution he's facing. So here's the persecution of Jeremiah in this next section of verses uh, 18 through 23. So verse 18, Then they said, Come and let us devise plans against Jeremiah. For the law shall not perish from the priest, nor counsel from the wise, nor the word from the prophet. Then they said this, Come and let us attack him with the tongue. And let us not give heed to any of his words. That's just funny. Like, let us attack him with a tongue. What do you think that means? Uh, I mean, they're just going to verbally abuse him. Yeah. So, you know, they were, they were planning out basically, yeah, a verbal attack. You know, you know, you know that people that are, are really caught up in sin do not enjoy hearing from people calling out truth, right? And so a lot of times the thing they want to do is they want to just really come against it. Because they're under conviction, they want to come against the one delivering the truth. And this wasn't the first time that Jeremiah had faced this. This is kind of a theme all throughout. He's giving the word, people are coming at him. He's giving the word, people are coming at him. Hissing, shaking their head, whatever they're doing, they did not want to hear what he was saying. Um, in 12.6, we see, For even brothers, the house of, the, of your father, even they have dealt treacherously, treacherously with you. Yes, they have called a multitude after you. We see it in, in chapter 15. We saw it in 11. He's constantly being attacked verbally. So they're actually boasting it. Come on, we're going to go do this. We're going to attack him verbally. We see the same thing in the life of Jesus, right? I mean, it's another parallel between the life of Christ. Um, He's bringing forth truth, and then the people, especially the relig religious, would come and they'd attack him, actually with false accusations. Um, one of the ones that stands out to me is in Luke 23, 1 to 5. You guys remember this. Then the whole multitude of them arose, and they led him to Pilate, and they began to accuse him, saying, We found this fellow perverting the nation. It said he's uh, forbidding to pay taxes to Caesar. All of this thing, they're calling out lies against Jesus, they're doing the same thing to Jeremiah, just to kind of like, they didn't want to hear it anymore. We talked about this a couple days ago, but it's just so true. In this day that we are in right now, as you're watching this, as you're, as you're studying, as you're, as you're asking the Lord, what does this look like for me to walk with you in full obedience? You've got to understand something. Faithful servants of God, although I don't think Jeremiah enjoyed the opposition, but I think he became... He expected it, right? I don't think he enjoyed it, but I do think he expected it. And I think even today, if we're going to walk in truth, if we're going to be bearers of truth, like true sons and daughters, we need to expect it and not shy away from it, right? And it, it, every time we can bring it back, back biblically and say, Lord, how can I back this up biblically? Well, John 16, says, In this world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. John 15, 18, he also said, If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. And even in 2 Timothy, Paul said to, to Timothy, he said, Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Again, that's not, it's not like we're being jerks and going out and looking for it, but we're just called to just walk in truth 
and proclaim that. And it's like kingdoms are colliding. And so a lot of times they don't want to hear it. They'll come against the hearer or the, the bearer of the truth. So let's go on uh, to verse 19, 19 through 23 here, Kevin. Give heed to me, O Lord, and listen to the voice of those who contend with me. Shall evil be repaid for good? For they have dug a pit for my life. Remember that I stood before you to speak good for them, to turn away your wrath from them. Therefore, deliver up the children to their famine and pour out their blood by the force of the sword. Let their wives become widows and, and the bereaved of their children. Let their men be put to death, their young men be slain. I mean, he's just he's bringing it by the sword in battle. Here's the thing. He was just saying, man, I, I kind of interceded for you guys. I went to bat for you. Like, I, I didn't want to see this happen. But yet you all turned away from me, from the Lord, and you kind of came against me. So it says it got, he asked God to turn away his wrath and judgment, but instead of showing their appreciation, it's like they dug a pit for him in anticipation for basically for his demise. So, you know, Jeremiah, this is one of his laments because, man, I tell you, you walk in this long enough, you're going to have times of lamenting. You're going to have times like, man, Lord, this is tough. Why are they doing this? Oh, man. It seems, Ryan, he's going back and forth, though, you know, and one place he's like crying for the people. And then he's like, OK, God, go ahead, pour it out on him just out of frustration. Yeah, right. Exactly. And, you know, Jeremiah had had an, an anger about him that was probably a justified, a righteous anger. And there's a there's a part here where. You know, there is such a thing as a, as a righteous anger, right? And I think it was modeled in Scripture. Even in, we see in the New Testament, be angry and do not sin. And you who love the Lord hate evil. It says in Romans twelve nine, let love be without hypocrisy, abhor what is evil, and to cling to, to what is good. You know, Jesus was, was angry at the hardening of hearts, right, of, of his saints, Um. And I just say that because there's there's something about a righteous anger towards the things of, that are evil, and maybe if we thought Jeremiah was too much, was too harsh, maybe so. But but maybe we're at a point where we're not angry enough at those things. They, you know, we talked about several chapters ago. Where they weren't even able to blush anymore. They, they got so used to evil. That nothing fazed them. Maybe today we need to rise up a bit more in a righteous anger that's calling things out. Not that we're angry at people, but at the, but at the wicked schemes of the enemy and the, and the sin that is, has taken over. And maybe we need to rise up more with this sort of like a Jeremiah spirit about us. That's part of what Jeremiah was experiencing. Let's go on into jumping to chapter 19 here. So now, uh, Jeremiah is going back to the potter's house, but this time he's going to go buy something. And he's going to take some elders with him and priests, which I think is hilarious because these guys probably know what Jeremiah is about. And why would they go with him? I just think it's funny that he, let's just read this. Thus says the Lord, go and get a potter's earthen flask and take some of the elders of the people and some of the elders of the priest and go out to the valley of the son of Hinnom, which is by the entry of the potsherd gate and proclaim there the words that I will tell you. So he went back to, and he made a second trip to the potter's house. And so he, he, then he bought this, it was a, a flask, which is, 
It kind of looks like this. It's, it's made for its narrow-necked water bottle about 6 to 10 inches high. So here he has this thing. He buys it, and he's going to use it several, several verses later. The Lord's going to use this to, uh, to demonstrate something for uh, the nation of Judah. Now, he goes to the potsherd gate, which another name for that is the east gate. And this is the place where this, this might have been, you know, this is the, the rebuilt wall. But just imagine like this was the, the east gate. This was the place where the potters would hang out and they would make their pottery here. And so at that time, there was, there was mounds of broken pottery. Like when they were done, when something wasn't right, whatever, they'd throw it out. And there was, a, there was a heap of broken pieces similar to this. So this is where Jeremiah is standing and he delivers now this next section of verses. And he starts just to call things out. Um, he turned it, he actually started to, to preach there from this gate overlooking this scene. And he starts to call out the fact that they have forsaken God, that they've worshipped idols, that they desecrated the temple, that they murdered the innocent, all of this, all of this. Uh, verse 3 here, Kevin, if you could. And say, Hear the word of the Lord, O kings of Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Behold, I will bring such catastrophe on this place that whoever hears of it, his, his ears will tingle. All right, let's, let's move on here for the sake of time. And, and I'll just, um, let's move on to, um, yeah, you know, let's, let's go on to verse 4, then we're going to jump to the end. Because they have forsaken me and made this an alien place, because they have burned incense in it to other gods, whom they, neither they nor their fathers nor the kings of Judah have known and have filled this place with the blood of innocence. And I think this is so good that he was basically saying, you didn't know these other gods. And that word know is this word of, of intimacy. Like there's no way that you could have known these foreign gods like I wanted to know you. Like to have this intimate relationship that he's calling out from his sons and daughters right now. There's no way you could, could have that with these worthless idols. And he had so much more that he wanted to, to bring out in them. And some of the verses we know that are, are tough to understand, but many will say, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? And, and, and just that's in Matthew. And at the end, he's like, depart from me. I never knew you. And he's longing to know us and to know his children, just as he wanted to know Judah. So let's look at verse 10 uh, and through 12 here as we conclude. So he takes this flask. Can you put that back up there? And I so wanted to bring one of these and break it on the floor here, but I decided not to. Well, just for sake of illustration, he brought this and he just took it and he smashes it on the ground. In verse 10, then you shall break the flask in the sight of the men who go with you. And say to them, thus says the Lord God of hosts, even so I will break this people in this city as one breaks a potter's vessel, which cannot be made whole again. And they shall burn them in Tophet till there is no place to bury. So he just, he just breaks this thing. And he says, this is what the Lord's like. Like you've gotten to the point to where it just smashes this and you all are unable to actually get put back together again because of the hardness of your heart. I can't mold and shape that anymore. And so it was a symbol of, again, the destruction and the judgment that was coming. So lastly, verse 14 and 15, uh, he says, Jeremiah then came from Tophet to where the Lord had sent him to prophesy. And then he stood in the court of the Lord's house. Again, he's standing right there in the temple. And he said to all the people, 
Thus says the Lord of God of hosts. And he just, again, delivers a message. And I, and I wonder if the, if the elders were still with him at that time. Like, they're just hanging out, and they went and saw this. And now he had the audacity to stand right in the temple and deliver this message again. So, what a bold character uh, Jeremiah was. I think he's awesome. And um, it's interesting, as we conclude, we know that the northern kingdom of Israel refused to repent, and the Assyrians took it captive. And now we're, the southern kingdom of Judah was re, uh, resisting God's truth. And we know the Babylonian army was getting ready to come in and destroy the land and deport the people. But we also know that the Jewish people in Jesus' day rejected their king, right? The same way. And they asked Pilate to crucify him. And then 40 years later, the Romans come in to Jerusalem. And again, um, did basically what the Babylonians had done six centuries before. Bottom line is this, and all this, I'll wrap this up with 2 Corinthians 4.7. Um, I'm just going to read this, Kevin. I'm actually going to read it out of a different translation. It says this, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this is all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. And, and I just encourage us today, man, it just, if you feel like there's layers of hardness that have come over your heart, just go to the Lord. Just say, Lord, just forgive me and make my heart soft and pliable again, that you can form and shape me into the masterpiece that you see in me. So I pray that for you all. So thanks for plugging away with us, and we'll see you next time. Thanks.